You couldn't go back, even if you tried. Because <laughs> once he's got you, you've had it. <laughs> You're going to heaven, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Once he's got you, once you're born into the family, you can't become unborn. Come on, Luke's having a baby. When that baby's born, it's not going to go back into the womb. It's not going to become unborn. It's something God has created, and it can't be uncreated. Hallelujah. We're so secure in God. And I'm glad we sang that song, because it's quite a good song to sing for what I want to talk about this morning. It's the mantle of Elijah. What was so special about the mantle of Elijah that when he threw it over Elijah, changed his life instantly. was a new man, different man. Let's have a look back at some of the history. I don't want to go too long in the history because if we get too complicated, we'll lose the thread. Hallelujah. Elijah had been up on the Mount Horeb, but he just ran away from Jezebel, who said she was going to kill him because he killed all the 400 probably more prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. He'd run down into the desert, into Beersheba, left his servant there. Had God awoke him up twice and fed him. Said, you need to be fed. And he spent 40 days and 40 nights going to Sinai, or Mount Horeb, which is down in Arabia, in the peninsula of Saudi Arabia. A long way through the desert with nothing. God sustained him. So he goes and he hides in a cave and he says, no one with me, Lord. No one's going with me. There's nobody. Because he cries and God comes and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? God spoke to him. And then in the cave, suddenly there was this Enormous wind, and God wasn't in it. It was such enormous wind, it blew the rocks about it. It was so strong. Then there came an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there came fire from heaven, and fire wasn't in that either. It wasn't in the fire either. But then there came a still, small voice, and a better translation of that is a delicate whispering voice. So still, after all the others, you could hardly hear it. But it shocked him so much that when he went outside to hear this voice, this is the first mention of the mantle, he covers himself with the mantle. It was such a fearsome thing. Sometimes, it's, some people are more frightening when they're quiet and say something than when they shout. You kids know that. If mum gets really angry and shouts, it's one thing. But when they get quiet and they start saying it quietly to you, you jolly well know they mean business, don't they? They put something... I know there's a friend of mine, he's never angry, but if boy, when he speaks quietly, 
It's something when God speaks into you, it changes. He covered himself with the mantle which he wore. Mantle was a cloak he wore, and he covered his this in verse 1 Kings 19. After they were quite for fire, but the Lord was not in a fire, but after the fire was still full voice. That's verse 12, 1 Kings 19, 12. And in verse 13, and so it was, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in the cave, or in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, Again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then he complains to God that none have gone with him, he's only one. And God says, no, 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 no. He says, look, I have been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts, for the Lord God, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel, Zael, to be king over Syria. And Jehu, Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abem-Beholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass, to him that escapes the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. So he, this is the call of Elisha. But this is the first time we come across Elisha, Elijah's mantle. And it, he covered himself in it, in the presence of God. So it's almost as if that mantle got soaked in the presence, in that still, small voice. So, 1 Kings 19, 19. So he departed thence and found the Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Now here's Elisha going about his daily work. He was a farmer. He was ploughing. He was probably quite a wealthy farmer to have twelve yoke of oxen. That's 24 oxen. The yoke was a pair, and he was stood at the front and was going along with them. So he had probably quite a lot, he had a lot of oxen. He was probably quite a well-off man. We can the same from that. And he was at the head of the, the, the two oxen at the head, and he was going along with them, and they were ploughing. Then probably quite a big plough as well if they needed 12. He was quite a, a, an important man. But he was only a farmer. He wasn't a prophet until God touched him. He wasn't of the priesthood of that reign. He wasn't anything. God chooses those who are just getting on with their job. <laughs> and he, picked, he chose him. And he threw his mantle over him. Now I want you to notice this. He threw his mantle over him. He never spoke to him. He never asked anything of him. Anything. He never asked him to make any decisions. There was no actions he required of him. God, he walked up beside him probably and threw his mantle over him. And look at the reaction. 
And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my mother, sorry, my father and mother, and then I will follow thee. And this is what Elijah said unto him. Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Well, he hadn't done anything to him. The anointing had done something to him. You see? This is the first thing. When we sing, I have followed Jesus, the only reason we can say, I will follow Jesus, and I won't go back, is because this lady is not going to do it because the mantle of God has been thrown over her. The mantle of the Holy Ghost has been thrown over your life. God has chosen you from before the foundation of the world. Before you were a twinkle in your grandparents' eyes, anybody's eyes. He saw you. He chose you. He knew you, it says. Isn't that a wonderful picture? You see, it takes all the struggle out of deciding to follow Jesus because he's already made a decision for you. You haven't got any choice, really. But he, he's gracious and he allows you to make a decision. Or you think you make a decision, but it's all his decision in the end. Isn't that wonderful? That is a wonderful... That's the thing, to, when we look at this, you see, he hadn't done anything. Never said anything to him. But something inside him, the pre, whatever, whatever the man, whether he knew about Elijah, I don't know. We don't know anything else. But something happened to that man when the mantle fell on him. And that was the choice of God. God said to Elijah, go and, go and anoint this man. No, where's the anointing? Where's the oil? There's no oil. Isn't that interesting? No oil. Oil was probably more for the priesthood, but he said to anoint them. No, the anointing was in the mantle. The anointing is in the mantle. And it has an enormous effect on him. Because it was it, this work of the Holy Spirit suddenly started off in his life. You suddenly, in your life, you're going your own way, doing your own thing, and something, somebody says something, something happens. And it take, you start on a little journey, and God gets you there. But it was him who started it. I remember somebody said to me, we were away at a, 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 a camp thing down at, at um, Frinton. And somebody said to me, what about you and Jesus? That's all they said. He started, Alan said, somebody said something to him. Something happens. The mantle of God has already been on your life. You don't know it. You've already been... But something happens. And he said, what's that got to do with me? And then he takes no notice of that. He's going to follow him. Because he knows inside this is where he's got to go. So he goes back. And what does he do? He gets rid of his old life to do with his family and his farm and his ploughing. That was his livelihood. Everything about his life was about these things, probably. What does he do? He returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slew them. Bulled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. That's all the, the plough, all the reins, everything. The harnesses, all those things that were to do the things he was ploughing with. He made an altar. He burnt those and burnt the oxen on them. So he burnt his boats. He couldn't go back. He burnt it. And that's what happens. When he cuts our life on us, 
He causes us to burn, and he provides a fire for us to burn on our life. He burns out our old life, doesn't he? Takes it away. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing. He put to death his old life. Now, we are called to lay down our, our lives daily, to take up our cross, follow Jesus, and to lay our lives daily. Here he is laying his life down. But we have, because of our old nature, we have to keep laying our life down. We have to keep that, what he has done, in faith that he has already done it. You see, he'd already left. He only had to go back. He'd already left and ran after Elijah. He'd already left. In his heart, he'd already left. You see. And he had to go back and deal with the past. The things in our lives sometimes we have to deal with. But God is overall. He put down. Now, the interesting thing is, it says when we, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any man will follow me, we have to take up his cross daily. So, sometimes you think, well, this is going to be a hard thing to lay down our lives. But what did Jesus say? He said, I've been given power, I have a power to lay my life down and to take it up again. That's in John 10. And it's interesting, when he starts talking about that in John 10, he's talking about the cross. And let's look at it in John 10. Let's quickly go to John 10. You see, it's the work that God has done in us. I, I can't lay my life down. I can't crucify myself. It's impossible to crucify yourself. You can't do it. It's impossible. Someone has to crucify you. You can't do it yourself. You get to a point where you can't, you can't hold the hammer anymore, can you? What, what are you going to do? He has to do it. He has to do it. It's his work. Now, we have to outwork what he's already done. But it's his work. It's not our work. He's already done it. Because it, he says here in 10... 18. Oh, well, uh, well, the Father knows me. I'm a good shepherd in 14, 10, 14. Know my sheep, known of mine. The Father knows me, even so I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep have I which are not of this fold. That's us. Them also I must bring. So he already has us. Can you see that? He already has us. He's already chosen us. And they shall hear my voice with one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, I might take it up again. No man takes it from me, I lay it down on myself, and have power to take it up again. Lay it down and power to take it. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see, because, if we read further on, you'll find in um, Romans 6, Paul's talking about us being crucified with Christ. It's not, we try to be crucified. He says, don't, you can't live your life the way you want to live because you've been crucified with Christ already. A past done thing. When he died on that cross, your old life died on it. Because it was his decision, not yours. He did it. Now we work in with his decision. We follow his decision, we find it's his decision. But he's already done it. We work it out in our lives daily. The, the cross, when we see, go on with Jesus, we see things in our lives which don't match up with Jesus' life. And so, well, that has to go then, doesn't it? But it's not a struggle because he's already taken it and put it on the cross. He's already, we're dead. 
My life is hidden in Christ, in God. I'm hidden in Him. It's all, it's a wonderful thing. It's so positive. Because so many times we're told, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And Peter said, well, I can't do that. But you see, he was never asked to do anything until the anointing had come on his life. Until God had chosen him. It's wonderful. The freedom in the spirit when we realise that he is, he has done it all and we work in with him. Jesus said, I only just saw what Father does and I do it. And he said, if you're going to be the same, be like me. See what Father's done. What's he done in you? He's put your old life on the cross. It's gone. Now, because you live in the flesh, oh, well, my old, my old flesh still sees my old life. But he doesn't. He doesn't. It's hidden. Hidden under his blood. Wow, isn't that a wonderful thing? It's a wonderful thing what God's done to us. And he gives us the power by the Holy Spirit to be changed from glory to glory. Not our power, his power. We're changed by his spirit from glory to glory. It's his work in us. It's the work of the anointing that comes over your life. I have to submit myself to the anointing. The anointing of God on my life. And he'll take me where he wants me. And I won't be the same road. Everybody will have a different road. But it'll be a wonderful road. You see, he put a new heart in this man when the anointing came upon him. As in Ezekiel, he said, I'll take out the old heart, the old stony heart, and put in a heart of flesh that you might better walk in my ways. It's a new type of life. Isn't it a wonderful thing what he's done? It's wonderful what God has done. Hallelujah. He's made us, he's baptised us in our death and he calls us a new creation. And this man was different. He stopped ploughing. He was following God's man. And there's such a wonderful thing there, what God does, has done in that man's life. And that's a picture, a picture of what he's done in your life. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Not only did he sacrifice, which talks about he laid down his life, which he couldn't do, is a picture of Jesus laying down his life there, but also it wasn't for him. He doesn't say he ate any of it. He gave it to his family. It wasn't for him. He gave it to his family. We're to lay our lives down for each other. And this is a wonderful picture of that. It's not for us. It's for his glory. He didn't eat of that. It wasn't for him. When you lay your life and God gets hold of you, people will eat of your life. They'll eat of you. They'll eat of what you've laid down. Because it's his life they're eating. Isn't that wonderful? So it wasn't for him. Then he went off and ministered unto Elijah. That's what it says. And he ministered unto him. So, he, so, Elisha followed Elijah and ministered unto him. He looked after him. Because Elijah had left his minister down in Beersheba. He left his servant, his own servant, down in Beersheba. Isn't that interesting? He was a new servant now. And it was Elisha. And he ministered to him. And he goes on through 1 Kings 20, 21, 22... Into 2 Kings 1, 
He's following Elijah. And he becomes a minister. Jesus said, I didn't come for you to minister to me. I came to minister to you. I didn't come to minister for you to be... He came to minister to us, his life. So here is a picture of Elisha being like Jesus. He came to minister the life of Christ. All because of the anointing. Jesus never started his ministry until the Holy Ghost came on him. Have you ever thought about that? Never thought about that. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, boy, it will change your life. Because he's put... But sometimes it's recognising and believing that he's done it. I don't feel it. But it doesn't mean to say it's not there. Did you feel it? Did you feel God's anointing over your life before you knew him? No. But it was. It was there. Over you. He'd thrown in eternity his anointing on your, over your life, his choosing. And it was there whether you felt it or not. Now you're born again. You don't need to feel it all the time. But it's there. Faith says it's there. It's there. You have to believe it's there. And then when you believe it's there, you'll find it is there. You can't go by your feelings. Someone has said, feelings have to be like the train of faith. Belief and faith is the train. Feelings are in, at the other end. Don't worry about them. They'll tag along eventually. <laughs> Don't worry about them. Don't put feelings first. Put faith first. What God has already said he's done. Anyway, that's a diversion. <laughs> so that's a background to the anointing of Elisha. So remember, it was never him. Never of any of his decision. His decision was, um, was, was made by God, really. He chose. So when we come to 2 Kings chapter 2, when it, came to, uh, when it came to pass, the Lord would take up Elijah in the whirlwind. He said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were Bethel came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest that the Lord will take away thy master from the head I had today, and he said, Yea, I know it, hold your peace. Then Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets were at Jericho, came to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yes, I know, hold your peace. So this is Elisha speaking. He'd already started to grow up, hadn't he? I know, that's fine. Don't, don't say anything, you don't have to say anything. I know, Elijah's going. But he wasn't. You see, it was because of what was on him that he kept up with Elijah. He would never have kept it up in his own strength. Remember when Elijah ran all the way from Mount Carmel, 17 miles all the way down to Jezreel. It's the same anointing. And it's, uh, looking at my map, it's probably about 12 miles to Bethel from Gilgal. And it's probably about 10 miles plus, maybe the same, to Jericho. And then over the Jordan as well, which I don't know how far that is. It's a mile or two. So it's quite a bit of... He'd done quite a bit of walking that morning. <laughs> it wasn't, oh, well, I just nipped round the corner in the, in, the, in the car type thing. No, 
he was following after him. But it's because I've put down here, where's the word I used? The tenacity of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has set his face like a flint to go to the, what God has set because the anointing was on him. Not only that, because he was God himself. But his same spirit's inside you. There's a tenacity in the Holy Spirit that says, I will not let you get out of my sight, God. By faith, I'll go wherever you go. Yeah, wherever. He said, I'm going to go after you. You see, we very often think, well, maybe we ought to be thinking about, we ought to try and encourage others to keep going and going. You know, and it's almost a struggle. Oh, well, we're going off to, off to a Bethel now. Oh, no, all the way back to Jericho. And it's such a struggle being a Christian. But you see, it was the anointing that changed the man. He was, he was a plowman before. Now he was a follower. The anointing had done something to him. Now, when he got to Jericho, and Elijah said unto him, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as the sigh soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. So there's the same little phrase. This is not the two went on here. We could add that to the others as well. They just carried on. He just carried on together. He wasn't tired. He just carried, even if he was, he kept going. And then he said, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. That's the two people. They, Elijah and Elijah stood by Jordan. They were in Jericho, and they were looking afar off the fifty prophets. I'm not going to say much about that. There's a lot there. In verse 8, Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so they went over on dry land. Now here we say the same type of picture of going across the Red Sea and going into the Promised Land to conquer Jordan. They were going the other way this time. They were going the other way because they'd just come from Jericho and they were going the other way. God's always doing something new. He's not worried about which way he crosses Jordan. <laughs> he says, we'll get you across one way or the other. <laughs> And they looked apart. They were looking from afar, the 50 prophets. Many people, I will say, many people look from afar, but they never get involved. They look in the view, but they never get involved. It's God, what good, what God's doing. Doing it there. Isn't it wonderful what God's doing? Yeah. But what is he doing for you? We can all stand afar, and there were 50 of them. Young men, prophets. I'll leave it there. Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it and smote the waters and they went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. If thou see me when I when I taken from you, it shall be so unto you. And if not, it won't be so. So you will get a double portion if you see me going up into heaven. You'll get a double portion. Wow. 
Now, if you look at the life of Elijah and the life of Elisha and count up all the miracles, surprise, surprise, there were twice as many miracles exactly in Elisha's life than Elijah's. He got what he wanted. Why? Because he saw him going up into heaven. And this is a picture of Jesus going up into heaven and he said, if I don't go up, you can't, the Holy Spirit can't come down. And you'll do greater works than I do. Double works. Greater works. Double. If you see me going up into heaven. If we can see that Jesus has gone up into heaven and it's he's in the right hand of God, that a double anointing will be upon you. In fact, the anointing of Jesus was without measure, John says. <laughs> so, can we have a, a double of uh, without measure? <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> but the thing is, it's spread between us all. The double without measure spread between us all on the church. Anyway. Jesus says, ask, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask of me? That is a fantastic little prayer because he says about, go and read the little story yourself, it's in Luke 11.13, I won't read it, but he says, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit, if you ask him. Hallelujah. We can have this anointing of the Holy Spirit. He knew he needed the anointing. Now it could be because of where he'd visited and the condition of the places he visited. And I can't go into that today because he visits them again afterwards. But I can't go into it. There's too much to go into in that. Or he, he, yeah, he realised his complete inability to do the work without the anointing, without the mantle. He knew that he couldn't part the water without the mantle, without that anointing, that special anointing, a double anointing from God. And that's the same with us. When we come to a place, maybe that's the reason he knew. He, maybe that we feel that we can't do anything without an anointing from God, and we can't. So he said, ask. So you can have it this morning. Hallelujah. The mantle, the, then what happened then? And then he says, as it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire came and they parted them asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is just like Jesus going up into heaven, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit comes down. He said, if I don't go up, the Holy Spirit can't come down. And have you noticed in Acts of the Apostles, where it talks about people being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, in retrospect, when they look back, he said... The Holy Ghost has fell on the Samaritans just as it did on us. The Holy Ghost has fell on Cornelius just as it did on us. And I said to the Lord, 
why has he used the word fall on them? Well, here we have a bit of an answer. The mantle left Elijah and fell down and he put it on. It's the mantle of the Holy Spirit that falls on us from heaven. It falls on us and changes everything in our lives, isn't it? They, here we can see that they built up a close relationship. He was beginning to talk like Elijah. He was walking and talking along with Elijah. He was having fellowship and close fellowship. But there always comes a time when God says, it's time for the other person to go on. And you have got to get on with the job. We can always rely on some other person for a ministry, from a touch. But there all comes a time when you have to put the mantle on your life. You can't rely on the man of God, the person up the front, somebody with a ministry. Now we need these people. But he wants you to have the mantle on your life. So you can be changed. And what did he do? Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw them no more. You see, the fire came and the chariot came and parted them, it says, in between them. So he cut him off from Elijah. Many of us, we look at Wigglesworth. We look at this and we read this book and we love this person on the television. But we need all of us to have our own. Our own. Or else, when they die, there's nothing. And then, what we have to do, we have to get hold of what God has given us, and we have to go, where is the God of Elijah? We have to let that anointing in our lives take us over the river Jordan, back into the land of Israel, into Jericho. Hallelujah. There's an anointing, it's the anointings in it. It's not that you have to do it, but you have to take hold of what he's given you. And he wrapped it up and he threw it over it. And the waters parted, just as they had done from Elijah. Hallelujah. So the same thing that happened to Peter and John what I have, I give you, can happen to you. It's not just reading it in there, it's there to show you what you've got. The Acts of the Apostles, we've been reading the Acts of the Apostles this, and studying it, it's there, not just so it's a nice story and to see how the church started, but it's so that you can enter into what they had. It's for you as well. It's not just for them. It wasn't just for Elijah. It was for Elisha too. (laughs) It's for you. It's for you. The same life. Because it comes from God. It's not you. Who would think that I would be up here standing speaking? Come on. It's, It's nothing to do with me. It can't be. It has to be him. I have to say, it has to be him. 
because I, I can't understand it. But you see, it's the life of God. But what he said about the Holy Spirit was, unlike in the Old Testament where it came over someone and was on the outside, it was with them, he said, it'll be in you. It'll be in you. You'll walk in Sainsbury's and you take the anointing with you. Because it's in you. It's not only in you, you're in it. It says, I'll be in you and you in me. You're in it and it's in you. It's inseparable. You can't take it apart. It's together. It's part of you. It becomes part of you. This Holy Ghost, this anointing becomes part of you. So that what he, what, what he wants to do, you end up doing as well. But you do have to. Remember, he did have to carry on pursuing Elijah. But it wasn't because it was his strength. It was the strength of the anointing on him. So he would have to say, Lord, I know you want to call me into this or that. I don't know, whatever you want to call me into. But I know that your spirit will keep me there. Your strength will get me there. Not my strength, your. What you want me to do, you will cause it to happen. Or else it ends up you. Not him. Isn't that true? You see, he has come with his anointing. Now, there is sorrow sometimes in the parting of people. We will be sorry when God takes Alan away. It will happen one day. Now, whether he takes him away before we go to heaven, if he comes again, we don't know, do we? God will t- if, he, if God tarries, Alan will go up into glory. You see? In a lovely chariot. Yeah, he could go up in an E-type type chariot, can't you? <laughs> you see, that's what happens. A lot of my friends I know have gone to glory. People who've been working for God for all their lives. People we've known in our, in our in a, you know, and the older you get, the more people you know who've gone to glory. But what about you? <laughs> young people and younger people. Someone has to take on the mantle of the Holy Ghost and have to pursue God. Not because you have to, it's a striving pursuing, but because the anointing of God causes you to pursue God and you allow that anointing to happen in your life. And as you allow that anointing to happen, as you start reading your Bible, as you start opening yourselves up to the Holy Ghost, it will change you because the anointing will get hold of you like it got hold of Elisha. And you'll do twice as much as the person before. That's where God wants us to be. It's encouraging because he does the work, not me. And that's why I was glad to be saying I've decided to follow Jesus because I can't turn him back. There's no turning back because he's called us. We might get tired. We might sometimes fight, lose our way and get lost in an alleyway somewhere and get ourselves lost because we haven't taken the sat-nav of the spirit with us. <laughs> we end up a dead end. But he will get us there because he is the God who lives. He saw that the God who lives, the God who lives and lives in you, will get you there because he has laid his anointing on your life. And you need just to open yourselves up this morning. In your life, you see, where is the God of this anointing? And you need to prove God in your life to prove the anointing of God on your life. Because unless you step out like Peter and John, as somebody said, and if you don't pray for the dead, you'll never see any dead raised. If you don't pray for the sick, 
you won't see any sick raised. Well, we can go down a bit further. If we don't pray for our friends to get saved, maybe they won't get saved. If we don't talk to people about Jesus, then we'll never see people come to Christ in, our, in, our, in what God's doing with us. You have to start somewhere. Now, I go out on the street with, that, with, with Luke, and it frightens the life out of me. <laughs> it's not my scene. I'd rather be up there singing. It's easier. But unless I go and put myself on the line, then I'm never going to find out. <laughs> that's, that's for me. I'm not laying it on anybody else, but that's for me. I have to somehow get out of getting to the place where you know you come to along and you feel that you get to a buffer in your Christian life and you never seem to be able to get above it. Do you, you know what I mean? You suddenly, you know, you come to an end of something, you never seem to get above something. Well, God has got a play of changing that for your lives. And you can, he, if you keep going, you can only, not only just have the anointing which Elijah had before Elijah went, you can have the anointing like when, he, when Elijah had gone. The double portion. He never had any portion before. But it changed his life. Boy, with a double portion, it changed his life completely. So I encourage you this morning, keep right on. With your eyes faced on Jesus. Not to the end of the road. I wasn't going to sing that. <laughs> There's another song, isn't it? Keep right on. I'm going to... Going on right on. Because there's no, other, there's no way back. I can't go back. How can you go back? There's nothing there to go back to. We've burnt it all. He's burnt it all for us. And we look... Don't look behind us. But I'll follow him. Follow the Spirit this morning. Because he's called me. And that's the calling he's put on my life. It's the calling that makes the difference. Not the decision. Decision is a result of the calling. The calling is not the result of the decision. Because God has called you. Because of the calling. The decision is to follow him. Thank you, Jesus. That you have put your mantle over all these lives this morning. And they're all at different places. Some are still ploughing. Some have left the plough. Some are following Elijah. Some have seen him going up into heaven. Some have taken hold of the cloak and hit the water. Wherever we are, Lord, we thank you that you're an encouraging God who always goes before us and causes us to triumph in everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.